Hi, Ben here from Supercoach Insider. It is the gather round bringing you all the information from Saturday gameplay. We're going to keep it like Horn Francis. We're going to turn four quarters into one quarter effort is pretty much what we're going with today. Speaking of going with today, North Melbourne, welcome back. you shit again. And Swizz cannot be happier. How <laughs> the are you, boys? How are you, Benny? Swizzy, SC Insider 100. Come check it out. Like, subscribe, get amongst it. And let's go straight up and in. Brisbane Lions, North Melbourne game. Welcome back, Lockie Neal. His first full four-quarter effort with 176 super coach. Swizz, what did you notice uh, from this game and who else impressed you? The the big thing was the North Melbourne game style. There's, we knew there's going to be some teething issues um, with it. So Brisbane just kept getting out of the back all day long. That's why Danaher and um, Hitwood had such a you know, easy game. But... The, the big thing was no attention to Neil the whole game. Like we thought Dunkley would be have a bit of a field day, which he did. But I think if anything, it just proves again that Neil needs to get attention and tagged. So that'll be something to be watching over the next couple of weeks because 177, I was looking at trying to maybe get in Took, but now Neil's now the one that I'm thinking, is he the one that I'm trying to you know, rush to get in? But yeah, does the more attention come his way now? Yeah, 30 clearances between Neil and Dunkley. Uh, so, no, so 13 clearances just for Neil. Sorry. Mm. He smashed everyone. Um, yeah, so 17 contested possessions, 13 clearances, which is absolutely huge. And when you bring clearances into it, I mean, Luke Davis-Uniaki had half of that with seven. And um, outside of that, there's not many. Like three or four apiece is pretty much where it kind of gets to. So he was definitely dominant. 176 uh, super coach. He was on like 100 at halftime and killing it. Shout out to uh, M as well. Uh, Supercoach Mama, who had him in her team, so very much welcoming of that of that news there. But yeah, Brisbane had I think the most marks in forward fifty like forever. It, I was think it was a record as far as that goes. North Melbourne, there was even footage on uh, I think it was um, McKay or someone pointing, saying, "Oh, you know, Core, that's your player." And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Takes like four steps back and then literally charges into the next contest and leaves Danaher out the back on his own. Um, yeah, so look. Going on, let's go Sheasel though. Keeps the 100 ton, the ton run going with 100 super coach. Did copper cork and a bit of a banged up thumb. So, you know, the coach came out after the game, Clarkson said, you know, he did miss a couple of kicks later on, basically in account of the fact that he did have a corked leg, which impacted his kicking. So I'm still stoked he scored 100 super coach though. Um, he expects him to get up for next week. So there's definitely a fingers crossed there. Um, because they got butchered, I mean, Zeebel's probably the other one keeps going up with his relevant scores with 106 super coach, um, had, yeah, like, you know, some kickouts and a few bits and bobs to go with it. Six contested possessions, a lot of meters gained just doing the long bomb Zeebel is pretty much what we're expecting for that one. And the other surprise I thought was, you know, Luke Davis Uniac. Uh, I know Chris was big on him after a couple of rounds, brought him into his side last week. Um, and you know, he didn't perform as advertised and Chris was going the early crow saying he was getting a 150 Swiss. Yeah, well, I think it was just because they got towed up so much in the midfield too yesterday. Um, but he he kind of recovered his score because it was looking at one point he was probably going to go about 75. So they they managed to get a little bit of a junk time and, and, and boost that up. Um, but it was actually Simpkin and, and Phillips doing most of the work in the first half. Um, LDU was kind of the backward step, but once Simpkin got uh, subbed off and Phillips copped that shoulder stinger, um, yeah, LDU managed to recover himself to a 90. Yeah, the interesting part out there. So Phillips, who we spoke about previously having, you know, maybe sketchy job security, 
comes into this game with maybe he was named on the ball. So we're like, hey, maybe a little bit more security. Uh, and now what's happened is he did cop a bit of a shoulder knock himself. So there is you know, a watch on him whether his shoulder is fine. But he played out the game, so maybe there's not too much concerning there. What is concerning, though, is Joe Simpkin did have um, – he went off, he got subbed. Apparently, he's going to need surgery on his hand or his thumb or something or other, a finger. Um, so that now provides even more job security for Will Phillips. Um, go figure, who did get 74, was on about 49 at half time though. So I'm glad he did slow down. Now, speaking of someone who actually picked up that game, though, was um, McKenna. Good old Connor McKenna was on <laughs> zero at quarter time. Someone on Twitter was saying, oh, he hasn't even had a touch yet. And I was like, no, no, he had a touch. He, he paddled the ball forward at one point and then got pushed off the ball. Um, that was the only touch he had was a, a paddle on. The, be- um, the biggest reason for that, mate, was I think the first 10 goals were without a miss. It was just literally going into each team's forward line, a, a kick mark goal, and then back to the center. So McKenna's getting no chance of even uh, you know rebound 50s or even kickouts. So the defenders were, I think there wasn't a defender that was over 10 within the first 20 minutes of that game, which was unreal. Yeah, Brisbane defense wasn't great. I mean, Daniel Rich had, what, 13 touches. Um, the Wilmot actually had you know only 10 touches, but because he got four, you know five tackles and kicked a goal, that's pretty much how he was actually able to put together a fairly decent score. So Wilmot got a 68, but generally speaking, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot back there for defense for Brisbane. Um, and yeah, McKenna was also part of that. So he had 15 touches in the end, got lucky with a boost, got a goal in the, I think it was the last quarter to kind of pump up his score because he looked horrible. He looked like he was on for about a 20 or a 30, mm-hmm. scraped together a 55 super coach. So after how he started, I was kind of happy that he, he got that through the line. Yeah, and Wilmot at least was getting up the ground a little bit, that defensive wing roll, so that allowed him to get the tackles. But, yeah, if you were a defender yesterday in particular in the Brisbane lineup, um, you could have just brought your deck chair and watched the game because it wasn't going down there. What, what did Brisbane have, 22, uh, 42, 43 shots? It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, no, it was an absolute belting. And speaking of a belting, let's move on. Uh, I don't know if there's yeah. much more Supercoach relevancy out of that one, but the Bombers, Unreal. your missus must be happy, Swiss, because they got 104 up on the Ds with a 77. And um, look, the Essendon, it pretty much, it all gets simplified down to the first quarter as far as to summarize this game for me. Now, it was Setterfield and Clary. And it was the absolute mopping up of the century where I love nothing more than having a premium absolutely smother another one of my premiums. <laughs> like Clurry's a little campfire, and that, that's not a ginger joke. That's just, you know, Setterfield was smothering all over him and just putting out that fire. It was delightful to see as far as the skill set of Setterfield, you know, the goat status and uh, to another level. But I wish I didn't own both of them when he did it. Um, and I put it all down to, say, JP, who I think traded out Setterfield this week and maybe doesn't have Clary, was putting the early hex on saying, oh, I hope they both score poorly. And at quarter time, I was like, get out of the chat. Like, get out of the chat group, JP. Um, absolutely killing it. But the good news for Clary owners in this one, um, yeah, and I'll get into this, the, my Clary VC <laughs> debacle straight after this, this game here. But, you know, he was on... Um, Bugger all, uh, like 23 or something or other, quarter time. They were both doing horrible. Getting into halftime, he was on – actually, no, he was only on 25 or something at, at halftime, wasn't he? Clary was on Clary, bugger all. Yeah, it, I, actually, I think it might have been 30. And that's something like 31 or so. It was it's something really low. Um, and he barely touched it. I think he only had uh, – It was. I feel like it was only nine touches, nothing. but it might have had 11 touches. It was nine or 11 coming into halftime. I think it was, yeah – 
Yeah, so he had two. Yeah, so two at quarter time, nine in the second. Yeah, I so think he was on like eleven touches then. Yeah, yeah and then time. he worked. So I, I worked out he had like a thirty-eight points third quarter. So I was like, okay, if he has another thirty-eight point quarter, I was like, he'll go and he'll get a one hundred and one, and that would be serviceable. And Chris was going the early crow, and he kind of stopped himself because <laughs> he goes, "Oh, it's Clary. He's a big, big second half player, so I'll, right. I'll save my save my judgment." Uh, and then comes out with a one fifteen super coach had like forty touches. I did see a few people tweeting online like the worst forty touch game ever. Um, you can be very effective with his hands. He so many handballs in this game for Clary. I mean, he had twenty six handballs for the game, four hundred forty five meters gained. But it's the game was done when he got twenty touches in the fourth quarter. Very, very, very lucky to scrape through with a one fifteen. Um, I was watching this game going, holy crap, if that was my safe choice on a VC, I was like, I don't even want to risk the captain anymore. I was, <laughs> do I just take the 115 and bail and just go, hey, look, I'll, I'll like a 120. But, you know, I was like looking at Cla- uh, with a Bontempelli, who I'll go into next, going, I don't want to risk. You know, Bont's gone two 120s and two scores under 110. So I'm like, um, <laughs> do I, in a wet weather game, I was like, yeah, he did well last week, but do I want to risk it? For the sake of seven points or whatever, I thought maybe he might get. Um, and in the end, Bontempelli towed up, which goes to summarize my season. Um, <laughs> glad I wasn't yeah. alone, though, because I put that tweet out. And I'm always real about my successes and my failures, but someone else did the exact same thing. I said, watching Clary get absolutely dominated and play poorly, I got very scared uh, as far as maybe I should just take the 115 and bail. Um, yeah, so... Swizz, you are are you a Grundy man or not a Grundy man? I'm a non-Grundy man. Quite interesting. Yeah, he's gone the 120, but I think he got beaten on the night. Um, got beat. They got beaten in hit outs. Um, both of the big boys combined for five goals for the Bombers. Um, so most people were thinking, oh, here's Grundy. He's going to do an absolute job on Draper. But I had some a couple of Bomber supporters talking to me about how Draper's actually been doing really well as defensive Ruckman and Phillips maybe even more so. And then they've got the option that the other one floats forward. They've clearly worked on their um, forward craft over the summer. So it it's might be something food for thought going forward that if your Ruck is against Draper Phillips, you don't VC or see them. Um, because they are, they seem to be doing a really good number on the ruck. Yeah, so Grundy still got the one, what the one twenty, one twenty eight, whatever he still got, which is a great, still a great score. Um, but at the same time, what we were probably expecting Grundy to do against the Bombers lineup, um, you know, one forty, one fifty, it wasn't, it just didn't happen. They they played really well those Bombers rucks. Yeah, I, I agree. He lost the hitouts and they kicked five goals between them, which I consider a big L. But when you look at his stats on their own, it's like he still had a really good game, five free kicks to two. So he you know, gave away less free kicks than he got. So that's automatically really good. 12 consensus possessions, six clearances amongst it, um, 24 head outs. So you got beaten definitely in that element. Um, big speculation though. So they play later after uh, after the Anzac Day. It was no Anzac Day Eve, isn't it? Yeah, they Anzac play, Eve Monday. Yeah, and there is speculation that Gorn might be up for that game. So he's doing well in his rehab like he always does which means that there might have only been that the three game without Gorn. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that one. Richmond themselves don't exactly have a ruck at this current point in time. So I wonder whether they ease Gorn back in as a forward or what they do because it's going to be really interesting. Um, either way, I think against Richmond, though, Grundy probably still has at least another good week in him. And then you just have to ride that break even if you have him to then move him on Pretty quickly, I think, yeah, is I've pretty been, much what we're going to have to go with. I've been saying that as captain, Gorn's not missing the Anzac Eve. It's their biggest game oh, on the yeah, calendar. Oh, yeah, true. It's, so uh, what do you think then? Is that they maybe play him forward a little bit more then? Forward, 
play him as a sub, whatever, as long as he's out there doing the top. Like, it's it's not as big as the Collingwood Essen game. And, and nothing like, you know, I've said before, it doesn't take away from the actual day of Anzac and the, the remembering of that. Um, but, yeah, from a footy point of view, nothing, nothing compares to the actual match. But Anzac Eve is probably now Melbourne's. And, and to a point, Richmond's biggest games on their calendar. And that's no disrespect to the well, the King's birthday match or the opening game of the season, but it is huge. So, yeah, you think as captain, he wants to be there for that, and and that's why he's you know been doing everything to get himself up. So, I think he does probably play forward. Um, maybe they even still go Van Ruyen as the second option just for this week, because as you said, Richmond don't have a ruck, and they just go, okay, Gorney, you're in the goal square. Benny Brown might gets another week to recover, and then they they go from there. Yeah, that was interesting. Ben Brown laid out on this one, might have been to do with the weather conditions, whether he didn't get up or whether they just go, hey, maybe we don't really need the extra at all for this one. Um, it'd be interesting to see, though, if they are winning a lot against Richmond, and I wouldn't want to be playing Richmond on the rebound either. Um, so it's going to be really interesting oh, as Melbourne's far as... Melbourne's going to tell us next week, mate. I'll tell you, absolutely tell us. Uh, yeah, no, so, I mean, who goals. plays... It's... Yeah, so that's no that's the interesting it. part. Mel- yeah, Melbourne so they might even they might even sub out Max Gorn then if they're winning by oh. a lot. It's like, hey, you're here, you know, really good. Sub him out, get you yep. some K's into legs, and then call it a day. So look, it's going to be interesting. You have to hold Grunny for that that one there. Um, the other thing to note as well, we should probably mention that Setterfield did get a 91, so scrape through his break even I think of 88. So holding on fairly strong for those that held him in this game. The other thing to note was a lot of people brought in Redmond after his a uh, few good games before that. It was interesting as um, I think who was it? So Zerk Thatcher had a little bit of an Zirk ankle Thatcher. roll, Looked but like he came got back shot. out though. Yeah, <laughs> but then came back out and held up a, an end for a little bit, which was interesting. That that that's for my wife. She's uh, like I've never seen someone get shot before and then manage to come back on a quarter later. Um, yeah, it was yeah, a bit of a so, jab. Yeah, Redmond obviously in that in that period did have to play more defensive. Um, you know, just sort of that uh, changing of the. Uh, the defense on the run there so that did impact him for that quarter and then yeah managed to you know still put together a, a serviceable 77 but I, I think if Zerk Thatcher doesn't go down in that moment he still probably scrapes together a 90 plus score um, and it also hurt him because the Bombers were so dominant too that like the ball just wasn't going down there their, their midfield absolutely towed Melbourne's midfield like Zachy Zachy Merritt we always talk about him being that one that drops value and then you pick him up later as a, that possible M8. But as captain, um, the biggest criticism of him was how is he going to be his defensive um, side of his game. But, yeah, seven tackles, the 35 touches to go with it. Um, he, he looks absolutely yeah. prime. Yeah, Zach Merritt, 134 super coach might get suspended. I think that's a bit questionable, though. But, look, the journos like to write something. There <laughs> might be something in it, so... Look, wait and see for that one as far as uh, how far that goes. The other thing to note, Ridley, 91 super coach, um, 500 meters gained, which I find funny, but I think where he's being impacted, apart from this one, he was a little bit deeper and got some intercepts, but I think as a whole team, Essendon aren't relying on one specific defender. And I found Ridley's kind of going for the easier option sometimes where he'll kick it to another player still inside the defensive 50. So if he gets it quite deep, he's not kind of blasting it out of the 50, getting the extra points for you know defensive 50 rebound, but he's kind of hitting up the target you know, 20, 25, 30 metres away, and then they take it out. So I think he's kind of losing some points in, in that aspect as far as you know, maybe not kicking it out of the 50 as much because he's looking for the other options to lead up. Um, 
Yeah, so I think he's still definitely someone you could probably get off um, as far as ownership. Now, we do need to talk about two Ds before we move on quickly. I think th- actually three, but you're going to talk about the two Which rookies. Which Ds? I think there's three rookies. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm going to go. I wasn't even thinking rookies specifically. Um, yeah. Um, so one was Pickett. Some people got on him. Still kicked two goals, two, but only had the 11 touches. So 63% disposal efficiency kind of killed him. And the fact that the Ds lost and lost badly meant that those goals probably didn't get much scaling either. Uh, 61 super coach. She'd be upset if you paid 360 odd or whatever he was. Like the, uh, the man Abdul, I'm pretty sure he jumped on him. I know a few uh, people yeah. did. Um, Chandler, I thought, you know, was serviceable enough and, and faded a bit, but did kick a goal. So he got 56 super coach. So I think there's enough there to kind of just ride him out for another week or two before moving on. Yeah, he had the um, opportunity to kick about- another goal too. It just fell oh, short. So yeah, very much. That, that's his game and that is sort of, you know, he's 10 possessions, a bit of tackling pressure. And if he can kick a couple of goals, which I think he will next week against the Tigers, very easily could come out and score us, you know, 70 next week, but that's what he does for us. It was on bench a bit too, 72% time, time on I ground. I think at half time he had 59, yeah. 60% time on was ground. It was quite a low. lot less. Painful. Um, Van Bruyen um, probably didn't have the impact we wanted, but did get a, <laughs> a very lucky goal from a free kick, which is it was perfect for us that brought him in. I brought him in like just before the bounce um, with the news Benny Brown was out. Uh, but, you know, kind of played his role. Conditions didn't suit him. Uh, so hopefully they continue to think work in progress and, and back him in, especially that the fact that after Richmond they've got like, – I think they've got North Melbourne. So, um, and then yeah, West put, Coast. Oh, yeah, so no, they've already played West Coast, um, and the other one that a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but a, a few brought in as that defensive midfielder um, was McVee um, as the lockdown defender. So 63, another serviceable score for him. Um, that, so you're probably still going to get another couple of weeks out of him um, before you look at uh, upgrading or moving on. You've probably got other players in defense that you could move first if you've got Zeebo and Sheasel to move back there. Yeah, so Richmond next week who are depleted, then North Melbourne, then the Suns. So I think there's definitely some room for the Ds to kind of really, really tail up. Uh, moving on to the next game, though, and it was a wet affair. The rain really did start to come down for the night game. Um, you could visibly see it on the TV, and it was just absolutely bucketing down. Now, I had to drive off for a little bit of this, so I did catch, I think, the first and the last quarters. Um, but Swizz, Bontempelli and the English show is pretty much where it's at. They pretty much exposed everything and um, nearly as much as Waitman <laughs> is the yeah, exactly. go-to. So there, is a, there is a little shot going on that Waitman got a little exposed there. Um, well, I did say it's a cold night out <laughs> and it's raining, so best bring your beanie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, but it completely was up till half time. Um, like I think English, um, Bont got the jump on English and then English closed on him and then Bont. And it was just those two, like they were a good 30 points super coach ahead of anybody else coming into the halftime break. What actually hurt English was Lysett went got subbed off um, and they actually then put Dixon and Finlayson. We were rubbing our hands together um, as an English owner, but it actually helped them. Um, English, you know, who was looking then going about 160, 170, really slowed down, um, still got the 139. Bont was amazing. You know, the typical Bont, only the 23 touches, but was clearance machine. I'm not, I'm not too sure off the top of my head how many clearances he had. Um, you might have it there, Benny, but... Um, he was getting everything out. There was English tap down or and Bont out of the middle, hitting up yeah, the target. Bont had 12 clearances. Yeah, so absolutely dominant game from him. Um, but they just didn't have a lot of other support. Uh, so, the yeah, it was those two. The What was pleasing for a lot of people who own him still is Liam Jones. Um, took some crucial intercept marks. 
the 15 touches, the five marks, yeah, and it really suited him because it was that wet, low-scoring game. Um, yeah, those marks and those goals have a bigger impact on on your scoring. So, and, and just the tightness of the game too. So the scores would be so level or be a two-point game. Ball gets kicked in. Liam Jones takes intercept marks. Happy days. Eight points coming coming his way there. Uh, so yeah, he he ended up with 88, which um, fantastic for those who held him because that will re uh, restart his cash gen. Um, and he had a great game too. He played really well, and, and with Bruce going off too, it was really him versus the world down there because no Alex Keats. So that'll put some more faith. His job security just locked anyway, so no problems there. Uh, Oscar Baker was a little bit disappointed because he was only 31 at three quarter time, actually got really involved in the last quarter, um, got up to 63, but got scaled back to 53, which well, I think might have been 61 scaled back to 63 just because of the result. And there was a moment late in the game where um, you had English Jones and Timmy O'Brien there to take the intercept. The boys called in Timmy O'Brien to take it, which that's not good for the, everybody else who owns Jones and English. And O'Brien hits up, tries to hit up English. I mean, hits out Baker, mucks up the kick, hits it straight to Butters. Butters kicks a goal and ices the game. So not only do we miss the intercept mark, um, plus the kick, but yeah, Baker was the obvious one on. And then those Baker's owners, and he's and they were out the dogs then too. They were, you know, they had the um, the overlap. So Baker probably could have ended up with a 65-70, but that one little kick, you know, changed everything. But yeah, he did his role. He's probably the one that's most on the chopping block for um, a lot of rookies um, coming in. So yeah, if you're trying to move probably or looking at downgrading someone in the next week or two, he probably will be the obvious one. Yeah, especially with a couple of uh, mid rookies, possibly you know the sub the sub duo, yeah. um, Johnson and um, what was Roberts. It? Um, Roberts. Yeah, yeah. so th- that's probably the obvious choice maybe for for that part of it. I, I thought um, so. Obviously, dogs defenders. Um, weren't as great either. I mean, Richard's 82, but Dale stunk up a 57 after his big week last week. Um, the other thing I noticed, I saw Daniel, uh, Caleb Daniel starting forward of stoppage, like CBAs a bit, like playing a little bit more forward instead of defense, which I thought was interesting. Um, I'm not sure how much of the game that he did that, did that for those Swiss, but I did definitely see him yeah, it was forward just of parts center of that, And that's the, we, we talk about Bevo, our favorite player, old oh, Magneto there. Magneto, yeah, yeah. <laughs> At his best. Uh, and and the conditions probably did allow that because they were it was one of those days where you're just trying to get the ball forward forward territory. So yeah, maybe it's just Daniel, small man, small to the ground, um, get him forward, and hopefully yeah, easier to get down and pick up the ball. Uh, that that might have been a bit of the thinking. Speak about getting down and picking up the ball. Um, we're gonna pay, take this in twofold. So I'm gonna say um, Horn Francis, who had a killer <laughs> fourth quarter. And speaking of the uh, Mr. Invisible Man who disappears, Rosie was apparently one of the most frustrating people to own, I think it was, last night. So I was lucky enough to come in and see the fourth quarter uh, after doing my pickup rounds and the other duties that I had last night, but he was everywhere. So I must have got a pep talk because he was on, I think, 25 Supercoach, and I was watching it going, I looked at it going, ha-ha, sucks for all the Horn Francis owners, and then literally saw him get the ball, get the ball, get clearance, get hardball, inside 50. And I'm watching him just go up and up and up in Supercoach. I was like, holy crap, he has had the best fourth quarter I've seen in a long time for, for him. So, yeah. and then what about Rosie, mate? Because I came in when he was, I, I saw the chat and it was like, oh, never mind. He's on like 75 or 80 at three-quarter time. So what was the go? Yeah, so really what it was, was Butters was their best player by far. Played the four quarters, iced the game. Um, but Butters' first half was in everything. He had a bit of support there from uh, Boke. 
Um, but Rosie and Horn Francis may as well have not been out there. They weren't not getting anywhere near that ball. It was all butters out, out of that center, uh, the link up, moving the ball forward. Three quarter time come, uh, third quarter comes, and and Rosie is the, now the man. He he's the one in there. He he's getting all the clearances. Um, he's hitting players up. Just the impact of the game, and I, and I think he scored about fifty points just in that quarter. Um, Horn Francis was getting booed all night. A lot of Victorian supporters, even they were saying North Melbourne. I know Kane Corns was having a bit of a cry about it before on the on his show, but. It was a case of, I think, just Victorian supporters not happy with the fact that in the way it's all panned out. So you'd think for a Port Adelaide home game, it would be a lot of cheering of Horn Francis, but it wasn't, and it was very notable. And it looked like, we, we don't know what Hinkley said at three-quarter time, and then after the game in the rain, there was some um, good footage of um, them having a, a, a massive, you know, you know, discussion. Uh, so clearly there was something said and yeah, Horn Francis then became the man in the last quarter um, and had that 60. So it probably adds to Port Adelaide's versatility and not great for super coach point of view that, yeah, at any point it's, it's not, okay, they're all going to get their 20 each quarter, 30 each quarter and, and build their score that way. It's this quarter, it's going to be butters. This one's going to be wines, Rosie Horn Francis makes it a bit hard to probably, I guess, man up from, from an opposition. Cause yeah, they can sort of swap their roles and who's doing the defensive work around the stoppage, who's the now the attacking clearance person. But that's exactly how it, it panned out. And um, it's just going to be, unf- it's going to be in a way all right, because we're going to think at one point, Rosie or Horn Francis, if you're an owner or a butter's owner, they're going to get their chance and opportunity in there. But at the same time, we're not going to probably get that massive, oh, well, Rosie's going 140 this week uh, because you know, they, they'll you know, swap around what they're doing. Yeah, it's interesting. I saw a, an article from about Butters saying I didn't realize he was injured preseason coming in. I don't know if they really exclude um, disclose that too much, but he said that he was had a, a interrupted preseason just before coming into the season, and it got to the point where now he feels like he was you know um, able to attack and play his to his strengths and get back into that midfield more. And then that was last week. Between last week's game and this week's game, that's what came out in in the uh, like some article. So I was like, oh okay, like that's good. Maybe Butters will start to get to, some more CBA. And he he went 146 supercoach. So a lot of you know 17 contested possessions, seven clearances. So I just had a quick look. So he had 14 CBA. He had the most CBAs out of Port Adelaide, as well as so actually uh, Horn Francis got 14 as well. Rosie got 13. Ollie Wines 11 and Boke zero. Yeah, what's, so what's the that Bulldogs breakdown there, mate? What's the Bulldogs? What was their most? Oh, I was going to say just because I wanted it in comparison compared to how many. Well, there weren't that, that many goals for the CBAs anyway. So there's only eighteen, um, and then I guess you start start of the quarter. So what twenty two? But that probably shows Port. It's how shared it is. Yeah, there's yeah, Trelaw had nineteen. Yeah. Bontempelli had seventeen. McRae, they're probably the big three in yeah, the Victoria. So McRae had there. twelve. So, Trelaw's McRae nineteen. Trelaw's nineteen out of twenty-two. Where Port Adelaide's most is fourteen out of twenty-two. So it's a much shared, you know. And they've got the because their players got the ability to go half forward, um, and even Boke, you know, Horn Francis, they can all play forward. So it is. We talk about like Frio, for example, um, defence by committee. It's that for um, Port Adelaide centre bounce by committee, and they're just going to continue to rotate it. And I imagine Horn Francis would have got a lot of his 14 in that last quarter as oh, well. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. yeah. So before that, whereas that's probably the good part about it where they can rotate through a little bit, gives them a different mix up. It's harder for, as the game goes on, you kind of get used to what the you know, opposing player is trying to do to you, et cetera. Or if you keep changing it up, you're like, oh, they're doing something different. And then you're having to try and react 
um, which is where that difference does come into it. So, look, I thought it was very interesting. Um, Williams got a 51. I don't know if he keeps his spot, though. Do you think he keeps his spot, Wiz? It's a tough one. It's not like his game shouted to me, you know, pick me in kind of super coach going forward. Um, but, you know, in the end of the day, it probably was sold enough. Mead probably goes out maybe before Williams, uh, but they're probably getting – it's getting to the point now where, you know, maybe one bad game, he's back out. So where we were hopeful, he could be a decent rookie. Um, yeah, but then again, the conditions probably didn't suit him. That You know, they, they – it, it was a, it was a tough night, especially if you're a younger player out there. And that it's you know it really it's back to like that suburban wet weather footy kind of thing. And if you haven't played it for a while, or if you're not a bigger body like some of those younger players are, you do you know get yourself knocked around a bit. Yeah, and I think it's at least promising the fact that he did play with you know Burton in the side um, as well as um, Darcy Burn Jones as well. So there is a slight positive uh, out of that fact, but. Um, Look, that's the Saturday football we're about to go because in 15 minutes you've got, um, which will be probably less for you by the time this uploads, but there's the Sunday games today, so it's going to be super interesting as far as what happens there. I'll I'll throw that out right now because people are hopefully tuning in this before Collingwood St. Kilda. Uh, There's a bit of rumours around about Dugowie today. Um, Yeah, laid out. It could be a late out. So if you do have him, which a lot of the top teams do, uh, you might want to plan around that. Um, and that might be, you know, McKenzie as your backup or if you're looking to move him on. Um, I also mentioned, you know, draft stars as much as I can in my in my pods these days and daily stuff. GWS and Hawthorne is your game today. Um, Hawthorne's midfielders, especially with um, uh, Will Day out. You're looking at your Connor McDonald's, good price, Connor Nash's, those sort of players. Um, and that game will be really interesting because we saw yesterday, uh, we saw the Friday night game of Fremantle Gold Coast, how it was kind of more played straight down the middle um, because it's a skinnier ground. So um, I think Sicily owners will be really hoping that it'll be his day with the intercept marking there because they'll have to um, play direct. So, yeah, no, a couple of really interesting matchups, especially the second and third games today. Yeah, so that one is oh, – okay, right, so that's the narrower field. So that's going to be interesting yeah. then because – yeah, they. It's. Um, I think some of the defenders did pretty well in that game because you had to go narrow. Um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Ten meters shorter on each wing, apparently. So yeah, it's, it's smaller um, than Geelong wide, yeah. which is unreal. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely unreal to think about. But look, that's us. Um, Swizz will catch you early in the week for the podcast as well and the team reveals and our team discussions as well. If you are catching this, I might even try and do my. Um, what was it in a nutshell series as well, where I try and do every team in 60 seconds or less. So we'll see how I go this week. If I pass that one good, as well. Good thing this week, we actually don't have Thursday night footy for once. So oh, thank God. Yeah. I mean, it I can't... like watching Thursday night footy, but from a fantasy perspective, because then I was trying to, even then the 10 past five game, I had constable on the bench and I was like, Oh crap. I looked at the team by the time I realized I was like, I think I need actually some rookies to generate cash or restart my cash, cash generation. So I had to bring Young in, but I already had Constable locked on my body, on my bench. So I was like, well, I don't even know. So I played him on field <laughs> this week. I got super lucky with a 60. Um, yeah, dilemmas. All right, happy days. Thank you, Swizz, mate, and uh, enjoy this afternoon's footy, and I'll catch you soon. No problems. Alrighty, boy.